This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Everyone's a critic, jointly presented with Chindana. Hello and welcome to Everyone's a Critic, where we review various performing arts and visual arts stuff. Um, As always, we have something new that you can check out this week. And joining me for this week's review is Lim Jackkin, who is an arts writer and a podcaster. He is also a participant in the Chandana Aswara Arts Writing Mentorship Program. Thank you for joining me, Jack. Hey, Shamila. Glad to be here. So today we're going to be talking about a pretty interesting um, art project, I'm going to call it, because um, it doesn't neatly fit into categories, um, but it is by artist Sharon Chin, who of course is um, pretty well known for her works in the contemporary art area. But this is very much a pandemic-related project because... um, so it's called Letters to What We Want. And the basic idea of, is, of it is that Sharon um, reached out to her network of friends. She got them to write her a letter um, themed around the idea of what you want for 2021 and beyond. And once she received the letter in return, she sends them a piece of her own artwork. And that's really the, the, the basic idea. And then she presents all of this put together on her website and we thereby consume it um, online. Um, it, it's the kind of thing that honestly I think I struggle to imagine would come about at any other time but this um, what was your immediate reaction to it Jack? Um, I guess the first thing I thought of when I saw it was well what am I looking at but as I kind of delved into the letters as I found out more about the history of the project it felt um, almost inevitable in a way like surprising, but inevitable, like some of the best art can be. And um, there was this sense of, yeah, there's no better time to be putting out this work than now when all of us kind of need that sem- that sense of hope. Mm. Yeah, hope is an interesting, interesting word to use in relation to this because um, I... I didn't know that I would like this as much as I did once I got into it because I had seen Sharon posting, you know, bits and pieces of this on her social media. I've read particular posts, but there is a, there is a power to reading, I think, all of the letters um, in totality. At the moment, there are just about 10 or so available on the website. And then that sense of hope and that sense of um going through something collectively really emerges rather than when you read individual posts that someone might have shared on social media. Um, So I just wanted to give an idea of what you actually get. Um, It's fairly simple. I mean, if you read blogs, um, Sharon starts every every post with a, uh, an image or a picture that she selects, a stock image or a historical image, uh, which also adds to the experience of the work. And then she presents the letter itself. It's sometimes anonymous. Sometimes um, the person and who they are um, is made quite clear. Then at the end of it, she shares the artwork that she sends them. But depending on the letters, they also come accompanied with perhaps works that they've created or um, pictures that they've sent or even just pictures of the spaces they're in, um, which really does create a sense of intimacy with someone that you you might you might not necessarily know. Yeah, like one thing that I thought was really interesting was the pictures that came at the end, it's not just a picture of the work that she sent over. It's a picture of that work occupying the space that the recipient um, holds it in, right? And I thought that that was a really interesting moment of connection. We're so used to seeing um, 
the art as an extension of the artist who made it and less of an extension of the person who enjoys it. But I think that's an angle that we don't look at really very often and it's valid. So I wanted to ask you, um, where would you categorize this in terms of art? Is this art or are we, is this literature? What are we actually looking at? <laughs> and and I, I mean, I don't think there's necessarily a right answer. Do you have an answer is what I'm curious about. It's, uh, it's interactive participatory art. It's historical record. It's a form of literature. I think it's, it can be everything. Um, it can be whatever we want it to be, really. Yeah, I, I like that, actually. And, and, and I, I think I identify with that as well. Um, I think it also makes sense to uh, remember when, when you said participatory, it, of course, brought to mind the fact that this work doesn't exist in isolation. So the um, it comes on the heels of Sharon's previous project, right? So she did this um, kind of huge participatory work that she ended up then showing at the Singapore Biennale in 2019. Um, and that was called Monuments to What We Want. Um, and that got, a, you know, she basically got this whole group of people to get together to sew the art installation that ended up being displayed. And it was made out of um, election flags from the 2018 elections. Um, and so I liked that, that through line of, it doesn't necessarily take on the same theme, but the works that she's sending them are actually prints that, that follow on that same theme. They, they have the same colors, they have the same visual structure. Um, and I think it's, for me, it's that connection of a physical artwork that happened um, and almost a sense of here we are three years later and this is, this is where we've come. And you don't have to make that connection, but I think making that connection is quite powerful for me. Mm, yeah. So I, I had a short interview with her as I was writing an article about uh, the whole project. And one thing she said was she compared the whole, the, the exhibit that it came from to music she's felt like it was jazz and as she kind of wanted to remix the project as the the second series of prints that were using the same shapes and the same colors she felt like she was trying to adapt to what she saw as a change in the tune and like I guess our collective society and um, I, I thought it was marvelous it was such a great adaptation and I think um I think it does tackle the same themes, actually, this theme of uh, collective feeling, you know, and sometimes when we can't physically meet together to sew the quilts together in a, in a moment of uh, collective action, we can read our individual stories and we can share our pains and uh, what we're going through. And in that sense, come together in collective solidarity. Yeah, because I think the idea of what it means to come together and to be a collective, um, the last year has completely changed that. Uh, even if we wanted to, we couldn't really do it. Um, and I liked, um, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about what pandemic art is. Um, and sometimes it's it's a reaction or a response. But I think this is actually a really great example of actually using the means available to us during this time and creating something uh, that is very evocative of a particular feel in a particular time, but also has also has a lot of relevance. I think as we look back, as we try and make sense of what people were feeling at this point in time, um, I think this work has a lot of value. I really love the participatory nature of it. And in fact, um, 
what I kept thinking as I was uh, reading the different letters, and we will get into the letters themselves a little later, but what I was thinking was, um, I'd love to read just more and more and more of this, not necessarily um, just in Sharon's project, while I'm, I'm definitely on board for as many as she's going to continue putting out. I'd love to read more of this from other people, not necessarily measured, analytical, well thought out things, but like raw bursts of feelings or just little capsules of moments. Hmm. I'm not sure how to react to that, actually. I would like to see that. But at the same time, I also really do want to acknowledge that Sharon put in a lot of really careful consideration to take these like bursts of emotion and almost tamed them into a really cohesive experience. And that's something that's um, very interesting. It turns it into a very different feeling from if I were reading, um, you know, a friend's social media post, which to be fair is completely valid. And like we see that now more than ever because people need to vent and there's no one to vent to. We're all stuck at home. But do you think that comes from the structure that she provides? Because that's interesting when you say that because... In essence, she doesn't change the letters. At least I don't think she does. They are presented very much as is. So I'm wondering where that taming happens. I've no doubt that it does happen because you can see that it comes together really well. But I can't quite put my finger on where that is. And is that just coming from the structure? I think it's where she where she situates the letters in this whole uh, journey, right? From uh, monuments to what we want to the prints, the series of prints that she made, country music, and then using those prints in a sort of back and forth relationship. You know that film, My Dinner with Andre? Yeah. And it's like the two people, they're having this conversation and you get to enjoy the back and forth between them. It's like that in the sense of you're not just seeing these individual monologues or these individual letters, but you're seeing um, Sharon's relationship with them. And not to make her sound self-centered, but she does make it about her in that sense. And that's a fascinating element. It's uh, You get an insight into what her friends are like, what kind of company she keeps, and by extension, what she's like a little bit. And suddenly you feel this weird parasocial relationship <laughs> with all of them. You're like, suddenly they're your best friends. But if you, if you bumped into them on the street, they would just look at you funny. Yeah, I like that, actually. I couldn't sort of put my finger on on what it was that I was feeling, but I really like that way of thinking about it. The the idea that um, it's not just spontaneous and not shaped, but that the shaping is a, is a, almost a product of Sharon's relationship with not just the works, but the people as well. We are talking about Sharon Chin's project, which is available on her website, SharonChin.com. It's a series of letters called Letters to What We Want, but it's more than letters. It sort of brings together art and her her relationships with people. Um, you can check it out, but also let us know what you think about pandemic art in general. Um, what sorts of stuff have you been consuming? How have you been consuming works online? Um, if we can't really go out so much, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chindana. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chindana. 
Welcome back to Everyone's a Critic. I'm Sharmila and I'm joined by Lim Jackkin, who is a podcaster and an arts writer. And we are talking about Sharon Chin's online um, art project, which is called Letters to What We Want. If you want to check it out, it's up on SharonChin.com. Um, I wanted to get into the individual letters themselves, because that's really the heart of this project, right? Different individuals talking about, writing about rather, um, or trying to answer that question of what do I want in 2021 and beyond. Did you resonate with some more than others? Did some stand out for you? What were your thoughts on the letters themselves? So there's one letter that I liked in particular, and it's by Zidek Su. Mm -hmm. And it starts with, Dear Chinese Hopping Vampires Immobilized. (laughs) Yeah. And it's uh, a letter to a series of um, like little wargaming models. It was made by, a, I think, a company that produces wargaming models, but they kind of delved into Chinese mythology. And Zidek writes about how like, he's always wanted them, and it just created a sense of like, nostalgia in me. I've never been a wargaming nerd exactly, but I've been a nerd about a lot of other things. So I can definitely relate to that feeling of looking at an object that you've wanted for a really long time and kind of almost um, imbuing all of these qualities in it that it's just a piece of plastic really but you look at it and it suddenly represents this time where maybe your biggest worry was wanting one of those instead of how am I going to support my family I need to get a job um, and I don't know, it really just took me back and it helps that Zidek is uh, a slightly older person or at least slightly older than me. Sorry to <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Younger listening. than me, I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's nice to have that perspective and it's nice to know that or, or, or feel the possibility that in five to 10 years, I'm going to feel the same way about some of the things I thought about like when I was 20. Mm. I liked two very much, like having read all of them, um, two that constantly come up, come back to me. Uh, one is called, one is from an anonymous frontliner. Um, and that one I think has a very immediate impact of being very connected to the idea of the pandemic. Mm. Um, particularly the words the person uses, you know, they, they talk about how, um, not just themselves, but their colleagues in places like Sabah, uh, this notion of never being the way they were before, um, notion of um, they'll forever be changed. Some of their likeness have been taken away. Um, it hits you in a very, very deep way. Um, and hearing from someone who's sort of in the thick of this thing, reminding you that you are at home being able to read their thoughts on a computer relatively safe from a lot of this stuff, that was very, very powerful. Um in contrast, the other one that stuck with me was um, what I want to be is to be a, a mint plant. And I think the reason that stayed with me was because of the smallness of what they were talking about. Um, it's something that I've been feeling more and more the last year, I think, the sense of my world having shrunk, my world having become small and having become about just really small things that are around me um, and taking pleasure and watering my plants every day, you know, things like that. Um, and, And for some reason, the person who wrote that letter, they talk about the mint plant and this idea of just wanting to be able to regenerate and to be able to have meaning just for a short amount of time. Uh, and there was something very, I don't know, 
inspiring is a, maybe not the word. There's something comforting about it that I wasn't the only one feeling this way. And I think that's a, kind of an example of a lot of what people talk about. A lot of, for me, the collective, some of it was people talking about small everyday things in ways that brought a lot of meaning for them. Yeah, um, I guess this whole pandemic has opened our eyes in a sense. It, I get the sense that pre-pandemic, we all had these really, really big plans. I certainly did. Yeah. Um, to to achieve these great things. And I'm like a youngish man. So I feel like, I don't know, maybe I've been socialized to be incredibly ambitious and to have all of these things in my head. Um, and suddenly I wake up every day and I... I just want to make a really good bowl of oatmeal in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I, suddenly I'm also very attuned to the validity of that feeling because I think a lot of us especially have grown up with this idea that if you're not doing something at this stage of life or if you're not earning this much money by that stage of life, suddenly you're doing it wrong. And I think I've definitely um, went back and forth between the two polar opposites of thinking, oh my goodness, this pandemic is uh, cutting into that time. I'm going off track with my life plan. I'm going to be a failure. <laughs> and also feeling it's fine, really. Um, I'm just going to try to survive and I'm just going to try to take care of the people around me. And it's certainly a very difficult feeling to contend with, to reckon with. And it's a difficult time to be in and feeling those things as well, because some people do need to be achieving a lot right now, just because mm -hmm. for them, the stakes are much higher, right? So I consider it really a blessing and a privilege that I've been able to just like, my biggest worry is what am I going to eat for lunch today <laughs> or tomorrow? <Yeah. laughs> I was wondering um, whether, well, because we started off this by me saying, I thought this uh, could not have happened at any other time, this particular project. Um, it got me thinking about whether would this even work in any other form? Um, were these letters presented physically as a, as a collection or um, if I was seeing them in an exhibition, for instance, maybe side by side. I mean, I'm just imagining the different forms that it could take, physical forms actually, versus a digital form. Um, and to me, I feel, for me personally, I feel like it could not. This is a very, um, it's a self-contained perfect project in itself. Um, and one that could only work in this format because I think part of the power is actually being able to be on my own in my space, whether that's on a sofa or in bed or at my desk and reading the letters and sort of letting them sink in in a way that I don't think would happen if I saw them put up in a gallery, for instance. Yeah, it definitely feels like a response to a specific limitation. And uh, when I interviewed Sharon, she did mention that this whole project was an attempt to recreate the intimacy of viewing art in a gallery with your friends. And so I think given a different like context, or if we hopped into an alternate universe where COVID wasn't a thing, this project definitely wouldn't have the same weight as it does. It wouldn't hit or resonate as much. And you're right. Like I didn't consider that the positions we, we are in when we, when we look at it um, so often affect how we look at it, you know, yeah. whether you're lying on the couch or in bed or I don't know, on the in the bathroom if it's um, night if it's day i think it, it it sort of subtly changes how you might feel about what you're reading mm, absolutely and you can't do that i mean you can't really break into a gallery in the middle of the <laughs> night 
and, and lie on a sofa and look at everything. Just in closing, how would you describe this to someone who has no idea what it is? What would you tell them to convince them that they should check it out? I just tell them to start by checking it out because I think Sharon does it best. And when she says it's just a series of letters that her friends sent her and in return, she sends them art. I think that's enough of a draw. It's enough of a draw for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't know how to describe it to someone. I just say like, check it out. It's free. You have an internet connection, I'm sure. And if you can, it's just worth it. And read as many as you can in one go and, and pack down all of that grief and loss and loneliness and isolation and then let it spring forth and hope yeah (laughs) and hope and and uh feeling and yearning and just pack it down into your white hot center until three days later you break down in a boardroom meeting (laughs) that is not where i thought we'd go with this (laughs) (laughs) oh what a a wonderful feeling that would be Well, thanks, Jack, for talking to me about this. I really needed to, you know, just talk about this, these works. And I'm glad that you said yes. Thanks so much for having me, Shimila. So Jack is an arts writer and a podcaster. He's also part of the Chandana Aswara Arts Writing Mentorship Program. And we've been talking about Letters to What We Want by Sharon Chin, which is um, a series of letters uh, available on Sharon's website, SharonChin.com. A very interesting coming together of words and art and uh, online communication. It's very difficult to describe. So I would highly recommend that you just check it out. Um, But also Letters know, you know, do you like this sort of pandemic art, the digital art that's been coming out because of the past year? What are the ones that you've enjoyed? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You've been listening to Everyone's a Critic, BFM 89.9. Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chandana. For updates on Malaysian arts and culture, follow Chandana on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.